This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. Day you die, they'll engrave your stone. Here lies a guy, but he is not alone. He might have lived his maximum age, but he died broke from the minimum wage. The minimum wage, the minimum wage, it's the sin, the minimum wage. You sweat and sleep till you're 65 and get a minimum pension if you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, no medals for guessing that our show today is about minimum wage lines. Oh yeah, and where did you get that song? Oh, I don't know. Pick uh, it up. Somewhere. You know what? I think you need to become a commercial <laughs> DJ. <laughs> That's BK Anderson called uh, minimum wage. Quite, uh, quite jazzy. Quite it's nice. very yeah. jazzy, y'all. Yeah. Lines, no family gets rich earning the minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I good one. That. Um, I'm Gary Hertzberg, and uh, I've been talking to uh, Lionel McCorkotlela, oh, yes. and this is The Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. This is like a legal show in South Africa. So the contentious, very mm-hmm. contentious uh, national minimum wage bill, which is not a, not a law yet, was passed in the National Assembly recently, and it's expected to be passed into law very soon, later this year. So we ought to be prepared, Lines. Oh, yes. According to the government, the bill was introduced to protect workers from low wages, whereas the um, South African Federation of Trade Unions, known as SAFTU, is challenging the bill because the minimum wages proposed are basically derisory, according mm. to their meaning, ridiculously low. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, f- f- I, th- I think uh, most of us know that the official unemployment rate in South Africa is now at 27%. That's the official rate. It may, w- may even be more. Yeah. And that translates to millions and millions of people being out of work. And sadly for them, Lines, their minimum wage is zero, nix, lutu, as they say. Chanax. Yeah, nix. The opposition to the bill believes the minimum wage will lead to further job losses. I guess time will tell. Joining us today in studio to unpack the bill, a man who knows labor law back to front. He's a labor law specialist of one of the biggest firms worldwide is... Johan Burtis of Attorneys Baker McKenzie. Very warm welcome to you, Johan. Thank Once you very again. much. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Wonderful to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Gary. Cool. How's it, Lionel? Thank you. How's you doing? All good, thanks. Great, thank you. Lion, do you want to give out our Twitter handle? Oh, yes. At Hetzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. That's where you can actually post any topic that you would like us to talk about. And we'll make it a point that we find you a specialist who's going to break it down so that you get to understand it and break away the jargons. But more importantly, you can also do so on our Facebook page, which Gary will give us the details. Yeah, it's the Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. And you always say... 
take a look and do the liking. <laughs> and by so doing, you can also just give us any topic that you would like us to talk about. Yeah. If you are facing any legal action that you need clarity on, we'll make it a point that we find a legal eagle to come and break down the legal jargons and make it a point that you do understand it and you can actually take it on from there on. Uh, we very proudly, in association with Legal Talk South Africa, they have uh, hundreds of thousands, no, tens of thousands, 193,000 yeah. plus. Yeah, congratulations to you, Gary, for that, because it's through your leadership that the numbers can constantly grow. And for all those people who are actually listening, keep on doing so, and just do share their podcast with your family members. And if they do have any legal ac- uh, questions that they need to ask us, please just give them our contact details. We will make it a point that whatever subject matter that they would like us to talk about, we'll break it down for them. Our thanks to Ray Green of Legal Talk South Africa. Yeah. Let there be work, bread, water, and salt for all. Do you know who said that? Nelson Mandela. Oh, yes. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, beautiful. And that's really what we're hoping for, whether a national minimum wage bill will bring that about. We don't really know. Um, Johan Boertus, the... Um, Labor Minister in about May this year presented the National Minimum Wage Bill before the National Assembly, which was approved. Where, where is it holding right now? Is it becoming law? Or when do we expect it to be law? Sure. Good question, Gary, because it, it has been with us for a while. I mean, the original was passed, if memory serve, or original bill came to us in about November last year. Um, so as far as these legislative processes are concerned, it's been a fairly quick process to get us from the first draft bill to where we are now, and that's encouraging on its own. Um, but my understanding is that the president has signed the bill, and now the next step is that the National Council of Provinces, when it convenes again, must uh, must uh, 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 verify the bill. Um, all indications are that this will indeed be the case um, and that the, the bill will become law. It will become an act within the course of the, uh, of the next uh, um, couple of months. So before the end of the year, this should become law. Can you maybe explain to us what the, what the bill will achieve in terms of, of, of money for workers? How will it work? And are we going to break down the various types of workers, domestic, farm workers, mm. office workers? How do you want to handle this one? Yeah. So, so perhaps it's, it's worthwhile just taking a step back and say, you know, where does the, where does this bill fit in? You mm. know, and, and why is it so, um, why has it been the topic of so much debate and discussion? So what the bill will achieve in its purest form, is it says that for the first time there will be a as the as the um, as the law says a national minimum wage everybody in the country will be subject like you hear in the American movies you know mm. you are working for minimum wage you'll be working for national minimum wage in South Africa which cannot be below twenty rand a day or about three and a half thousand rand a month mm. but when we say it cannot be below twenty rand a day or three and a half thousand rand a month there are exceptions in the bill exceptions in relation to domestic workers. And that there are exceptions whereby um, employers can apply to um, to the uh, Department of Labor for exemption, you know, for a period um, in order to regularize their affairs or to get their house in order so they can uh, get to a point where they can start complying with the, with the bill. So what it does, it sets a, a threshold across the board that every uh, that applies to everybody. Um, and says you, you cannot pay staff less than that. And that, of course, will have a whole series of consequences, mm. and we can unpack some of those. Well, let's take one of them. Assuming that an employer cannot afford to pay one of their workers, can they can retrench him? Can they dispense with him? What can they do with him? Yeah. That is a, that is mm. a much more um, a 
tricky question than on the face of it may mm. appear because what we have in the Labor Relations Act at the moment, you know, a primary act that governs um, the law of hiring and dismissal, is that it is an automatically unfair dismissal. It is a prohibited dismissal where you terminate the services of an employee because the employee refused to accede to a demand on a matter of mutual interest. So if mm. I come to you and I say to you, Gary, you work for me in a, in a very nice different parallel universe, you know, it will probably be the other way around where I work for you. But, you know, so if, if, if you work for me and I say to you, Gary, I would like you to continue working for me, but at half your pay. Mm. And you say to me, you know, I thought about this and as tempting as it may sound, I'm just not going to do it. Mm. And I then were to dismiss you because you don't want to accede to that demand. That type of termination is prohibited in terms of the Labor Relations Act, an automatically unfair dismissal. And this is what employers did in the past. You know, they would put Hobson, you before Hobson's choice on a, on, on a wage issue, for instance, dismiss the workers, and then only take those workers back who are willing to work on these re, uh, new reduced terms. Mm. So our legislature has expressly said that you cannot terminate the service of an employee where the employee refuses to accept on a, a demand on a matter of mutual interest. However, that does not mean that an employer cannot lawfully and fairly restructure his business to suit, suit its operational requirements. So if, you, um, if you're in a, in, a, in a business environment and you just can't afford the staff, you just can't afford the wage bill anymore, mm. you know, and th- we see this happening. Regrettably, we, I see it happen more often than I would like to. Mm. Um, business goes to the workers and sellers and I can't afford to give you the salary increase you want. I need to cut costs by 10, 20, 30 percent. Uh, and the best way for me to achieve that, many businesses would say, would be to get a, a, a effect a headcount reduction. Mm. So we are 10 staff members. I now only have, can afford seven, and I'm going to cut, cut three jobs down. One of the alternatives to cutting roles you know, or jobs would be to say, how about if, I, if, if we reach an agreement where I keep all 10 of you, but on different terms and conditions. So five of you work on, you know, uh, day shift, five of you work night shift and on reduced, on reduced remuneration. Mm. And provided the parties reach agreement on that, you can do that. Um, and even there, there are certain circumstances where you can even do it unilaterally mm. through a, a fair and a valid redundancy or retrenchment process. I can say to you, if you look at a scenario that is, um, you know, within the uh, domestic worker environment, yeah, yeah. if you get to a situation where you're saying to the domestic worker, listen, I'm, I, I got retrenched at work. You know, I just can't afford to have a domestic worker anymore. Um, so therefore, um, my business, my household can't afford a domestic worker. I'm going to make your role redundant. That is certainly a valid operational requirement, provided you go through a fair preceding process. Mm. You can fairly and validly terminate the service of the, of the domestic worker. Mm. Now, in that same scenario, provided you skirt around the automatically unfair dismissal issue we discussed earlier, you can also say um, that I can't afford to have you for five days a week anymore. You know, my my salary or our combined salaries between my spouse and I, we can afford to have you two days a week. So I'm proposing making your five-day-a-week role redundant and replacing it with a two-day-a-week role. And that can be a fair and a lawful Is, isn't this alternative. What, isn't this exactly what may happen? Uh, I, I saw somewhere it says domestic workers will soon become a handful of people only the elite can afford. It could well happen. That people start changing domestic workers, especially from full time to part time. 
and they uh, could lose their jobs or part of their jobs? It, it, it could. And, and this is really such – it's, it's part of a much bigger and such more complex mm. um, uh, question that we're facing here within the country. Because on the one hand, you have organized labor saying, listen, we, we don't just want jobs. We want meaningful jobs. Mm. We want meaningful wages, you know, that will make a difference in the lives of people. On the other hand, you've got – you have businesses, you've got small employers saying, you know, I can afford to play, pay people – uh, a low wage, but I can't afford to pay what you are prescribing me to pay. So if, if you are saying to me, I have to pay X, mm. I have to pay something that we can agree as low as three and a half thousand rand a month, three and a half thousand rand a month to, to support a family on that. It's, it's, mm. you, you cannot even begin to wrap your mind around it. Mm. But some businesses say, listen, I can't afford to have 10 or 20 or 30 staff members on that wage, you know, and, and still run my business and make money out of it. Mm. Um, so it's really a complex, uh, complex. <clears throat> Personally, problem. I think anyone paying a domestic worker d- is d- d- a domestic worker entitled to three and a half under minimum wage or no, less. No, would not yeah. would not be. So, so currently, what yeah. we have, yeah. um, we already have sectoral determinations mm. in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, and and that paradoxically actually gives me comfort mm. that I don't think the introduction of the national minimum wage will be as drastic as many players would like us to believe. Yes. You know, we have had minimum wage in various forms mm. in a number of industries for two decades. Let's talk uh, domestic workers, if we may. Johan. What is the minimum wage right now for them, roughly? I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that I oh. don't know what the domestic worker wage is in terms of the sectoral determination, mm. but the, um, the listeners can go to labor.gov.za mm. and download the sectoral determination for domestic workers. Okay. How that structure works is there's mm. an hourly, a weekly, and a, and a monthly wage that is mm. determined. Mm. Um, the sectoral determination sets out different geographical areas. Mm. So if you live in geographical area, for instance, Greater Johannesburg, Greater Pretoria, Greater Cape Town area, you know, there's a different minimum wage applicable there than what there would be to, say, Palabora or Emelashleni or some other smaller or different jurisdictions, you know, where the labor supply and demand issues are mm. different to what they would transport, be in the greatest. Yeah, yeah. They don't have transport problems. Cost of living. Yeah, lines, yeah. No, currently they're charging about 150 and you just need to give them that as well as food. Uh, it's like a day uh, fee kind of thing that they normally do. 150 rand a day? Yes. Plus food? Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, so, so, but if they are, if they are domestic workers or employers of domestic workers mm. who are unsure as to whether they, their employer or whether they themselves are compliant with the law, I encourage listeners to, to go to the Department of Labor's website, download the, the latest sectoral determination on domestic workers and make sure that you're compliant. I mean, it's, apart from the fact that it's the right thing to do, mm. it's, it's the law and you have mm. to do that. Mm, absolutely. Would it be a criminal offense if an employer fails to pay minimum wage? And what role will the CCMA play in this one? Yeah. So, so my, my understanding is, I mean, we've moved away from criminalization of, of labor uh, legislation. You know, there are certain acts within the, um, within the Basic Conditions of Employment Act where employers can incur criminal liability. And that relates, for instance, to the use of child labor. Um, but as a, as a general proposition, you know, we, uh, let's take the sectoral termination where we've got a body of case law already that we can draw from mm. and, and how that works. So if uh, an employer does not comply with uh, sectoral determination currently, the employee can either lodge a complaint with the Department of Labor and through a labor inspector there can be enforcement. That matter can be escalated to the, to the labor court. 
um, and the and the labor court can uh, can entertain the claim as well. So the employee has a claim for unpaid remuneration. Mm. Um, what the our law also allows in terms of section seventy seven of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act is that an employee who has another claim, for instance, an unfair dismissal claim, can together with the unfair dismissal claim or unfair discrimination claim for that matter, bring a claim for, uh, for unpaid remuneration. So, so if you refer a claim to the CCMA, mm. you can tick a box on the CCMA referral form that says, in addition to this claim, I also have a claim for outstanding remuneration. And there, for instance, failure to comply with the national minimum wage or with a total termination can then be adjudicated by the arbitrator before the CCMA. Cool. Lange, you wanted to ask something. Oh, no, I actually just found something with regards to the minimum wage uh, for mm-hmm. domestic workers. They are saying the minimum uh, wage should be 1641 up to 2545 depending on which area you live in. This is a 5% increase from 2017 rate. However, the number uh, the numbers are only effective to the implementation of the uh, NMW in May 2018. Mm. So that's basically yeah. the minimum. But I would just like to say to urge our, our our listeners, if you can afford more, the minimum is just the base. But mm. then you can pay them accordingly in Absolutely. terms of yeah. Yeah, and, and and of course, and this what we'll what we'll find, you, and a number of industries and sectors will not be affected by the national minimum wage because the workers within those sectors already achieve more than uh, more than that. Mm. You know, and this is through the process of collective bargaining. There are various uh, trade unions, uh, collective agreements that are uh, where, where agreements are reached in many sectors where the terms and conditions of employment are significantly more generous than what the national minimum wage set out sets out. But what the um, Act will achieve is that will set to us a, a base threshold level, you know, um, below which employers cannot dip. I mean, of course, we would all like to think that, especially those vulnerable groups um, of employers, um, farm workers, domestic workers, mm. that um, there will be significant uh, higher rates of remuneration. But the reality is, um, you know, in many in, in many areas, in many industries, this is not the case. So mm. the national minimum wage, in my perspective from our perspective, will still make a meaningful difference in a number of employees' lives. And I would like to think that the negative impact on many businesses will be less than what um, it's anticipated to be. Cool. What about, I think the, the bill talks about an exemption, that you can apply for exemption if you can't afford the minimum wage. How will that work? And who can, who's entitled to the exemption? Yeah, so employers can apply for exemption and set out various business or operational reasons mm. as to why they cannot afford it. Um, now, again, you know, that's, uh, I, I don't imagine that it will just be a matter of, you know, filling in a form and, and getting a rubber stamp on it. Mm. And now all of a sudden you're exempt from a national minimum wage. I've got no doubt that there will be a proper application of the mind and that you'll have to make a significant substantive application detailing issues such as affordability, setting out a time frame where in which you undertake to comply or will be able to comply. I cannot for the life of me see the department agreeing to an open-ended uh, period of non-compliance in respect of the bill or a variation issued to employers. Mm-hmm. What I think the compromise that was reached, because this was clearly a compromise that was reached during during the net lag discussions on the bill, you know, where various uh, the parties representing organized business um, or organized labor, business and government, you know, reaches compromise to allow those struggling small employers out there who will dramatically be impacted um, with the introduction of the national minimum wage, a, a period of reprieve, you know, in order to, to get the house in order to do this. But mm. having said that, I mean, we, we have now 
been um, been alive to the national minimum wage at least from uh, November last year in in various shapes has been three drafts um, so so I would like to think that businesses would be in a position to either comply or to apply for exemption. And that, you know, in another couple of years from now, this whole debate will have, would have become moot. Absolutely. Mm. <clears throat> Lance, can you think of any industries or businesses that are paying less than the minimum wage, that are paying relatively nothing? Uh, that would or be, paying, yeah. well, but it's seasonal. I'm thinking of about farm workers. Mm. I'm thinking about people working in the food and bev industry. Um, who else? Yeah. Well, I could only think of those two. Yeah, honey, you got any ideas? Who, who's who's exploiting the workers really? When you think about it, yeah. So, so I think you know when you look at areas where um, where workers earn, for the want of a better term, ridiculously low wages. Mm-hmm. Those are generally you know unskilled workers, workers who are, are um, foreigners, uh, maybe. Yeah, and really replaced and and able to uh, or, or, or so, uh, um, prone to to, to exploitation. Mm-hmm. Um, Farm workers, seasonal workers, um, dishwashers in a restaurant, maybe mm, get sure. Yeah. S- service indus- service yeah. industry is notorious for yeah. um, you know for for uh, for this level of um, a potential abuse. You know, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to tar everybody in the industry with with that brush. Yeah. But there are um, unscrupulous employers in in many industries who who um, abuse the current situation. And this is this is one of the concerns in relation to. Um, to the labor legislation and the drive, you know, to adhere compliance with the national minimum wage bill. From my perspective, what we desperately need, we need a large pool of labor inspectors that can go out there and ensure compliance with our labor legislation. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got uh, the, an, an enviable um, suite of, of, of labor legislation. You know, um, we, we have a, a young democracy with a fantastic constitution that, that, that gave birth to our um, our labour legislation, you know, when I speak to colleagues in other jurisdictions, we really have a very progressive labour framework here. Mm-hmm. What we lack is proper um, uh, is, is proper policing of that labour framework, the implementation mm-hmm. of that. You know, I've got no doubt that you know there are factories in Harangkua, there are factories in Tem- uh, in, in Tembisa and Willifonsfontein where. Uh, there is very little compliance with our labor legislation, and that's not going to uh, going to change overnight by the introduction of another piece of legislation. Yeah. What we need is we need labor inspectors that can go out there to those factories, that can go out there to those uh, workplaces where there are vulnerable workers, mm. and assist those workers, and for that matter, the employers who themselves often don't understand mm. um, what their obligations are, how to comply with what we have. Yeah. I may be mistaken. I think it was the um, the union, SAFTA, that I mentioned earlier. They were saying, I think their argument is that the base, the minimum wage of 3500 is ridiculously low. Mm. I think they mentioned 12500 The problem is that it starts at 35000 Who knows where it will be next year and the following year. And if you get some, you know, if, if, it's, if it's wrongly done, the minimum wage could be excessive or that's what business is worried about, that it will mm. be raised – to, to a figure beyond their means. And, and, and whilst I'm sympathetic to the argument and I can understand the concern, mm. I think if we look at you know, the history over the past 20 years where we've lived with sectoral determinations, we've lived with the earnings threshold in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, we have not seen that type of dramatic move to warrant or justify those types of fears and concerns. So I don't think there's anything that we've seen over the past two decades to say that, 
based on how sectoral determinations minimum wages were increased, we have reason to be concerned that in another five years' time we're going to see a doubling of the National Minimum Wage Act. Mm. Um, I, I, I just don't see any of that happening. The, the earnings threshold from the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, you know, when that was first introduced, and if memory serves, I think that was 2002, was 89,000 rand. It's now 200, uh, 205,000 rand. Mm-hmm. You know, over, over this period to, to get from 89 to 205,000 rand, you know, I, I don't think um, is, uh, is dramatic at all. Mm. Um, and same with the sectoral determination. You know, what Lionel read to us earlier on was the, the annual increase um, in respect of the domestic workers' uh, sectoral determination and talking about a 5% increase there. Um, these are the sort of increases that come through when you look at the sectoral determination. You know, we're not seeing 20, 30, 40% increases determined by the minister that gets applied to the sectoral determination increases. So yeah. I, I honestly don't think that it's a realistic concern that um, if we allow the introduction of the national minimum wage, within five to ten years we're going to have um, a national minimum wage that is significantly more unaffordable than what it is now. When I opened up the show today, I said that the opposition to the bill believe the minimum wage will lead to further job losses. Is there merit in that? I'm going to again, ask Lionel the same question. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, if we if we if we draw on the the history that we've had with the sectoral determination, um, I don't think so. However, there are certain. Factors that that cause me to be a bit more concerned than I otherwise would be. I, I must say to you, within the past six months or so, um, you know, be, because we are a global law firm, we we have to, we advise um, global clients on issues pertaining to South Africa and to the region. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just had a quick count, and probably on about once, uh, at least one client per month um, over the past six months had approached us with a view of either closing down its South African office. Or significantly reducing its South African footprint, and that is a cause for concern. You know? why, why is that? Now, for for a number of factors, and, mm. I, and I'm, um, I don't want to suggest that the national mm. minimum wage is one of those. No. You know, these no. are typically workers who earn significantly more than a national minimum wage. Mm. But there's a perception out there that it's tough to do business in South Africa at the moment. Mm. There's no doubt about it that the economic circumstances are tough. You know, there's, we don't have significant growth here. You know, unemployment is high. We've, we have been labeled fairly or unfairly so as a jurisdiction with, um, with high labor dispute, mm. uh, you know, and, pro- uh, and, and troublesome <laughs> and violent labor disputes, um, which is a cause for concern for um, many jurisdictions. And the, the, uh, you know, we are, you know, 10,000 miles away from, from many of the other operating areas. Mm. So we, we have a lot going for us as a jurisdiction, but we also have our own challenges. And sometimes I think we, we become our own worst enemy, you know, and we make it even more difficult for, for ourselves. So if I look at those factors and I, and I consider, um, certain specific industries where automation is possible and is happening in other areas, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned mm-hmm. about areas, for instance, such as the poultry industry, where at the moment within South Africa, it's still a v- largely labor-intensive industry. However, if you compare that with many other jurisdictions, if you look at what's happening in Germany, if you look at what's happening in South America, mm-hmm. um, they use automation significantly more than we do. Mm-hmm. You know, So it, you could get a situation where a, a poultry producer says, listen, it's just not worth it for me mm-hmm. to employ 10,000 people. I'm rather going to incur the capital expenditure and invest in machinery that will, 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 will cut up um, poultry you know, and, and, and process it um, and, and reduce my workforce by half or by two-thirds. The, that concerns me, and I would hate to think that something like the national minimum wage 
could be that factor that pushes uh, a business towards the uh, or over the edge. I don't think on don't its think own so it will. No. I don't think on its yeah. own it will. Yeah. But I'm concerned about this. All these factors that are making it difficult to do business in South Africa at the moment, that that in some businesses' mind may just be the final straw and say, okay, cool, mm-hmm. now that's it. Now I'm, I'm shipping off and I'm going to uh, open up my call center in Malaysia, mm-hmm. you know, not in South Africa anymore because it's easier for me to do business there and they don't have a national minimum wage in that jurisdiction, mm-hmm. for instance. Wow. Politics and economics don't gel, Lance. No, certainly. Because, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. every investor would look at the pastel, which they would consider the politics, the economical, the social, technological, and the legal aspect of that particular country before mm-hmm. investing in it. So just to add to what um, Mr. Johannes said, it's just simply that it also depends on the proactiveness of the government in terms of actually getting the buy-in of the investors to really look at the uh, the new legislation so that they can buy into it. Because the moment you want to impose something and only to find that it does not necessarily go hand in hand with what the environment is actually uh, resulting in, then it's going to be a problem because there is going to be a fiction as opposed to a buy-in. So uh, more importantly, I think uh, government needs to be proactive in consulting with their employers just so that they can actually meet one another uh, halfway and just so that then the people can actually live in harmony. Well said, Lance. Okay, that's on the national minimum wage bill, which is going to become law very soon. I think we just need to be prepared for it. That's why we run these shows. Yeah, I think they should also look at the uh, uh, candidate attorney's minimum wage. (laughs) No, no, no. Candidate attorney's. What are you on, Lange? Are you on three and a half thousand yet? Not yet. (laughs) Doesn't even cover your petrol. Oh, my God. (laughs) Many thanks to Johan Boertus for talking us, taking us through the national minimum wage law. This is cliffcentral.com.